on 2019's last episode of the Habs Form. The Canadians are currently 3-3 three and three on their eight-game road trip, which we would think is good, but considering how it's happening, we don't feel great about it. So we're going to talk about that, talk about the last two rough losses, but also the positives coming out of it. Certain rookie doing really, really well, and a top scorer from last year doing a lot better than he was. Uh, we're going to touch on the upcoming games and coming back home soon, but the opponents aren't exactly going to be easy. A certain captain was named to the All-Star team, to no one's surprise, so that's exciting. And of course, World Junior Hockey is happening right now. We've got some prospects, including one who finally scored his first goal today. We're going to get into that, so let's get started with... The road trip. So last time we did our podcast, Dustin, it was a few weeks ago because of the holidays. Canadians were start, were getting onto this crazy eight-game road trip. We've been talking about it for a long time. They started off great. Three wins, one loss. But then the two most important games against the two Florida teams who were fighting for for playoff spot will be till the end of the season. Score nine goals, not a single point in the standings. Yeah, you don't see that too often when you score nine goals in two games, back-to-back games on top of it, on the road, and you get zero points out of it. And not only that, the game started in Tampa Bay, and the Canadians were absolutely dominating. It looked like the Tampa Bay Lightning were still having their post-turkey Christmas dinner nap, <laughs> and the Canadians were just good, ready to go. What was it, like 20-0 to zero to shots? It was insane. Yeah, I think like, it was 2-0, well, first of all, the score, yeah. and 18-0, to zero, I believe, the shots before Tampa Bay finally got their first shot. Um, so they definitely pounced on them early. Um, you know, they, the, obviously the lightning were, like you said, still asleep from the, uh, from the holidays, but eventually the beast woke up. I mean, the beast, they haven't been the beast this year, Tampa Bay. I mean, they have those players there, of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously they, they have some untapped potential, got off to a bit of a slow start. They have been heating up a little bit as of late. Yeah. And I mean, we saw obviously in the game on Saturday, what exactly this offense can do. And they did get some, some lucky bounces. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to defend price too much. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that uh, allowing uh, 11 goals in, uh, in two games is, is simply unacceptable. I mean, back-to-back games, sure, but coming off four games, four days off. But, I mean, to start off the game against uh, the, the first couple goals against Tampa Bay were two unlucky bounces. One, just it just the, the Tampa Bay player who shoots and misses in it, it just ricochet, ricochets off Killorn's, like, shoulder pads or something mm-hmm. and drops right on his stick he scores then Stamkos misses the net crazy bounce back and scores and it just from there it just I, you could just feel that it wasn't happening after that yeah it, well, the, the one that hit Lekin in too I think yeah. uh, the fourth or yeah I think the fourth goal um, yeah so I mean it, it was definitely quite a few unlucky bounces I mean I, I don't think it's any secret the Price didn't have his best game here against Tampa um, I mean I, I think the defense for me I, I thought they were backing up way too much um, especially, I mean, we just saw the, we just took a look at the highlights here before recording, and uh, definitely Brett Kulak. Uh, yeah, he definitely, definitely stood out on a couple of those goals. I mean, there was a couple, there was one goal where they just, the defense just kept giving the puck to, to, to Tampa Bay. It's like, oh, no, you take it. I don't want it. You take it. You take it. And it's like, Sherratt and Weber has been looking better over, been looking like a good pair overall. I mean, although two of the goals yesterday deflected on. Uh, e- either one of them, so I mean that that that's that's not helping Price uh, either. But it just it's it's obvious that the offense has figured it out. So the top line of Tatar, Gallagher, and Dano has been great the whole year. I mean, if you look at some advanced stats, they've been one of the most dominant lines in the NHL. 
The problem was, for a little bit there, they were the only lines producing, especially since Dwayne's been down. But now, Max Domi, since we started the road trip, so in the last six games, got five goals and four assists. He's been on absolute fire, gelling really well with Nick Suzuki, who's also, he's got eight points in uh, in six games. So now we got two, two great lines, performing well, scoring goals, but just useless on defense, completely. And I don't just mean... The defenseman, mm-hmm. team defense overall has been atrocious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're right. I mean, the wingers haven't, or not just the wingers, but the, the forwards in general, they haven't been doing a great job defensively, uh, defensively either. But it is a huge boost, of course. Suzuki and Domi finally, well, I mean, Suzuki's been pretty good all season. Oh, I mean, Suzuki's he's doing what we've expected. I mean, it, Domi has been underachieving so far this season. But it, it, like you said, I mean, this the, the top line has been consistent all season long. And finally, the Canadians are getting some secondary scoring. Unfortunately, they can't keep it out of their own net, though. No, no, exactly. And we, we, we don't want to just talk about the defense. I mean, Price obviously has to be better. I mean, sure, there has been some bad bounces, but I mean, I feel like a lot of people, they will defend Price no matter what. No matter what he does, and I don't want to put it all on Price. I mean, we first talked about bad defense, but like I said, he'll be the first to tell you he's got to do better and just... He's got to be elite for this team to do well. I mean, I, I hate bringing up the whole $10.5 million contract thing, but I mean, the, the reason people bring that up is because he's paid to be the best goalie in the mm-hmm. NHL. He yeah. needs to be a Vezina candidate every season. That, that's what's what he, he's there for. He just hasn't been that this year at all. Yeah, I mean, the Canadians are only going to go as far as Carey Price brings them. Exactly. I mean, I, I think, you know, t- you can see it just in this road trip. He was fantastic in the early part of the, of the road trip when they were out west. Had great games against Calgary, against Winnipeg, against Vancouver. You know, I mean, it's certain. I mean, you know, you could even argue maybe that he stole him a game or two in there. But obviously, he hasn't been the same goalie here in the you know in the last two games when they went down south. And and I mean, that's been the game changer for the Canadians. I mean, the West Coast road trip has been the one thing that Price. I mean, as much as the Canadians has struggled, he. I mean, he's from the West Coast, so he does seem to do well there. I mean, you don't want to read too much into. To, to that type of stuff, but it, it, like after that, that's why I, what I mentioned in the intro where okay, if you told me before the road trip started, Canadians after six games, three wins, three losses, I'd be like, all right, mm-hmm. that's b- better than I expected. I mean, three wins overall in, in eight games is not that bad, but but now the thing is, it started so well with th- they went three and one. Uh, and like some tough games, I mean the West Coast, all the teams are pretty strong, but then the two most important teams to beat, Tampa Bay and Florida. I mean the Canadians were in playoff spot before mm-hmm. these two games during the holidays over Christmas. Looking at the playoffs was looking good. Two most important games, and they just come out swinging, ready to go, and then to just completely shit the bed there. It's 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 really demoralizing. And, I, and as a fan base, we this season we've been just up and down and up and down. Canadians are going to finish last. Canadians are going to going to yeah. do a cup run <laughs> and all. It's just, that's just how the team's been. Yeah, well, I mean, like even in, during each game, I mean, sometimes you know we have those ups and downs. And even yeah, when the Canadians yeah, were up two nothing, they were up eighteen zero in the shots. I still didn't feel too secure no, about it. I, I feel the same exactly. I was gonna say exactly the same thing. It, when a team is dominating that much, and for a long time it was just one nothing too, and then there was the weird Domi goal, the second goal, which they played like five minutes afterwards because they the, the refs didn't see it went in. I wasn't feeling that confident. It just felt like. If we're dominating this month, this much, I want like a three goal lead, and but nothing, nothing feels safe. Whereas there's been have teams in the past where they can be down one or two goals, and I'll be like, oh, but I still feel like they're in it. I still mm-hmm. feel like they can make a comeback, and I do think this team can make a comeback, but no lead seems secure. 
No. Well, I mean, they have made a lot of comebacks. I mean, sure. they made a lot of comebacks last season. They made a lot of comebacks this season so far. Um, so, I mean, definitely no no lead is ever safe with the Canadians, be it if they're in the lead or if they're if they're trailing. No lead is ever safe. I mean, it makes it definitely very exciting. Sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, not, not a good feeling when the Canadians have a lead and you see them blow it again. I mean, back-to-back nights here, obviously 2 nothing against uh, the Lightning, and they were up uh, up by one goal against Florida. So, you know, it, it, definitely not the looks of a playoff team, at least at this point. And if, if we're talking if we're talking about Florida, I mean, it, it was it was a tougher game in general. I mean, Tampa Bay they started off strong. Florida, the first goal Carey Price let in against Florida, it was just he just looked completely lost. He looked like yeah. you out there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, you looked like you our first season ten years ago when we started <laughs> playing. Like he just had no idea where the puck was, and there's just this thing with Price sometimes where he feels like it just sometimes looks like he gives up on a play. It's yeah. just frustrating to watch. It's like if he knows that it's going to go in, like he feels like it's, there's, like he doesn't make those, like that that flurry save that, that a lot of people, that happened like a, about a month ago, mm-hmm. that a lot of people yeah, say is, is what uh, got Babcock fa- fired, right? If he doesn't yeah, make that yeah, save, like true. maybe things go differently. <laughs> Price, I don't see Price making that diving like desperation, he's done it in the past. Yeah, sometimes. he has done it a couple of times. A couple of times, but like Flurry, if you watch Flurry play, he's super exciting to play because he might not be as, but maybe positionally sound always. Uh, but he, he he never quits. No. Sometimes with Price, it just feels like he's like he just meh. Yeah, I mean, you you see it whenever Price is going to have a bad game. I feel like you can see it pretty early. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, right off the bat, the first goal, he looked completely lost. Yeah. On it, so I mean, you knew right, right then and there that it was going to be a tough night for him, and I mean, yeah, he definitely seems like he's fighting the puck right now. He's not seeing it well, you know. It's it seems like it's bouncing all over the place for him. You rarely see Price over his career have back to back games like that. Like not that he played horribly against Tampa Bay, but I think Price is the type of person that the type of goaltender that if he looks at it, they had a two goal lead. Mm-hmm. The and the, the amount of goals he let in, like he, I'm sure he feels that he should have been able to win that game against Tampa Bay, and I'm sure, I don't know if it was decided in advance that he was going to play back to back or not. I mean, it was four days off; it made sense, and Lindgren was still up. But who wants to see him in that? I wouldn't be surprised if Price went directly to Coach Gian and said, "I want to play again." Usually in those situations, I feel like he bounces back. Mm-hmm. But to right off the bat look lost, it's 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 not a good sign because, like you said, they're only going to go as far as, as price exactly. Goes. They're only going to go as price as as far as price brings them. I mean, uh, again, I don't think he played necessarily that bad against Tampa Bay. I think there was a lot of bad bounces. There was a lot of I mean, the defense just kept backing up all the time, which there was a lot of quality scoring chances. Uh, Florida, he was obviously not very good. Uh, I'm not that surprised they played Carey Price back to back just because of how an important game it was. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, they're they're play, you know, they're chasing Florida right now. Uh, if they would have beat Florida, they'd be in a playoff spot right now. Uh, a little disappointed though that he. I mean, I I think Price should have been pulled after the second though. Okay. I mean, you know, they they were down five to three at that point. Might as well put Lingren in. But I think there's just zero confidence in Lingren. Obviously. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Obviously, I mean, I mean yeah. overall, right? I mean, and, and they, they, they probably the the way our offense is this year, it just feels like you, we said before, no lead is safe, whether it's yeah. on there and our end. So if Clojini felt like he had, we they had a, a chance of coming back, I feel like he's only going to pull Price uh, if it's 
a completely lost cause, and he sees really, and it, it, it mm-hmm. need they need something to spark the team or, or or whatever, or else I don't see him making the move. Unless if Primo was up, maybe maybe he has more confidence in Primo. I get, yeah, I get. Well, it, clearly they don't have any seem to have any confidence whatsoever in Lingren. Um, neither do I. But but I mean, at that point, I think you know Price was obviously looking lost. He was no, fighting I, the no, puck. I, I, I don't disagree. So, I think it would have made sense. So there there is another back to back coming up next next week. So Monday, Tuesday, playing in Winnipeg uh, at home and uh, against Winnipeg, and then in Detroit. Do you think we're gonna? Like, I don't think Price plays back to back again after what just happened. So do you think Primo gets called back up? Um, I don't know. I think Primo had, I mean, he did play really well in his last game for the Rocket. Um, but after he got sent down, sent down, he was struggling, uh, to find his game. And actually, even before he got called up, uh, two games before he, he got called up, he was struggling too. So I don't think it's necessarily the best thing to call him up. I think, you know, at, at this point, he's just starting to refine his game at this point. I think okay, but let's, let's him, forget, forget for a second, maybe. Primo's development. I know it's important, but who do you think will give the Canadians the best chance to win? Carey Price, back-to-back, he's going to rest sometimes. Or is it Primo getting called up, Lindgren, McNiven? Like, who, Who? if, if all Coach GM wants is the the player that's going to give him the best chance to win, I think it might be Primo on the, on, on the second day of the back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, you, well, well, first of all, I mean, McNiven's <laughs> definitely not going to get called up. No, I, I don't disagree. I'm just naming all those. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Kincaid, I don't think either. But, I mean, between Primo and Lingren. I completely forgot Kincaid. forgot about Kincaid. I, 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 I honestly completely <laughs> forgot about Kincaid. Wow. But, uh, I mean, who gives them the better chance? I mean, they are uh, the second game is against Detroit. It is in Detroit, though. Um, I mean, it's yeah, Detroit who is yeah. terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I think I'd just go with Linger and I'd give him a shot. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, I think but at this point, L- Lindgren hasn't played in ages. Let's not forget that's Detroit b- beat the Canadians on the fourteenth of December, two to one. They've lost twice to them, I think. This I, season. I think you're right, actually. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lindgren's from the U.S. <laughs> he's not from Detroit. He's from he's Minnesota. He's from the U.S. <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> So is Primo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I think they with either goalie in there, with me in there, should they should be able to beat Detroit? Yeah, they've lost twice against Detroit, which is completely unacceptable. Both losses at home against yeah, Detroit too. That's 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 pathetic. Detroit is is I, like I, you know what? I wonder how many wins on the road Detroit has this year total. Let's let's take a look. I'm gonna go with. Four. That, that's right. They have four wins on the road. So half, <laughs> half of, them half of Detroit's wins on the road are in Montreal. So that's, that's pretty sad. It's, pretty, it's very sad. I, 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 I would definitely, especially when you consider that four points might be what gets keeps the Canadians out of the playoffs easily. That's true. Well, like, even if they had the, even if they won one of them, they'd be in it. like right, like right now. Yeah, if the yeah. season were in right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. So. You can't lose those games. I think they call by Primo. I think I think Primo looked good, especially in the second game. Uh, his, his stats look good. I think I think Claude Julien just cares about winning at this point, and he's less concerned with uh, the development of Primo and more concerned with what is best for the team right now. And I, I, just the fact that he didn't pull Price in, in, in the game on Sunday, he has mm-hmm. no interest in putting Lindgren in, especially really? putting Lindgren in. After he hasn't played in in, in weeks, yeah, uh, that, that is yeah. a good point. He hasn't played in a long time. Um, I don't maybe Primo or not Primo, but maybe Lingering gets to start against Carolina. 
tomorrow. Who knows? I mean, uh, his first first NHL game, first NHL win was in Carolina. So Anecdotal. Maybe. I mean, Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Who knows what Claude Genie I mean, is thinking. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's too bad that like the backup situation is, is again, uh, kind of a problem this year because we thought Kincaid was going to fix that. Now Price is struggling too. But let, let, let's focus on some positives a little bit. Now we touched on it a little bit. But Nick Suzuki has been absolutely incredible. I mean, no, no, regardless of what happens this year with playoffs and all that, that will be a positive for, for this year. So like I said before, he's got one goal, seven assists, eight points in his last six games, which includes, includes a three-assist night uh, yesterday against against Florida. I mean, I think he's been a big part of why Max Domi's game has, has woken up so much. Every player who plays with... Nick Suzuki looks better. He's just one of those players. That's true. I mean, every time, every line that Nick Suzuki has been on, even when he was on the fourth line, the line's been incredible. Exactly. Nick, um, uh, Thompson at the beginning of the year we thought yeah, was amazing. Exactly. Was he, all looked, Nick Suzuki, uh, yeah. he looked amazing at the beginning of the, the, of the year, and I think yeah, definitely, like you said, Nick Suzuki was uh, was definitely a big part of that, and I think he is definitely a big part of why Domi has sort of uh, refound his scoring touch. And finally, we're seeing the Canadians get some secondary scoring. So, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, and I mean, even with Kakinyemi back now, he's got two goals in two games. So we got three are lines. We, are we sure Claude Julien knows that Kakinyemi was on the power play yesterday? <laughs> did did did, did, did Yemi just jump on the ice without Maybe. telling anyone? And Maybe just, he did. And then he, then he, <laughs> then he scored because uh, I, I was shocked uh, when I when I saw that. But uh, I mean, it's great to see because Kakinyemi obviously even before the now it's his second time. He's got two different injuries that has caused some some games this year. Uh, the, this one was a concussion. It was a scary concussion. We didn't know how long he'd be out, so he, he ended up ended up missing a handful of games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he missed uh, quite a yeah, he missed two or three weeks. For I mean, for a concussion, I mean, I'm I'm totally fine taking it slow, and so just happy to have him back. And right away, he hasn't looked scared out there. He's he, he's looked good. I'm I'm happy that Claude James giving him some time on. Uh, on uh, on the on the power play and giving him an opportunity to find his games, that two goals in, in two games. The first goal against Tampa Bay was was a nice uh, top corner goal too. What I'd like to see too is him playing with Suzuki at this point because now, now, at the beginning of the year, we, we talked about wanting that the, the kids to play together, and we we thought, well, Claude Julien is not going to want to play rookies together because of how unreliable they can be defensively. Mm-hmm. Suzuki's been getting some time on the PK. Yeah, at yeah, this definitely. point, he's got to be one of the players Kojin has the most confidence in. It clearly is, and I, th- I, you know, he and he's doing a really good job on the PK. Yeah, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely like to see that. I mean, you know, he might be hesitant to do that just because of how good Domi's been sure. as of late yeah. playing with Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Kokinami between Paling and Suzuki. Yeah, that well, that, that's the big thing on Twitter, right? All, all the fans are clamoring for that. And there was, there was a moment yesterday, where I think it was just in the middle of a line change. I don't think it was by design, where they were all three of them yeah. together. Uh, I mean, that'd be that'd be great to see. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, too. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that Paling is getting so much time on the wing, but it's just a reality of uh, of, of the, the, the makeup of the team right now. But he, he's been doing not that bad on, on the wing. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he, he's been a good player for the Canadians. Maybe not... You know, you want to see a young player develop and all that, but forgetting the fact that he that he's a rookie and all that, he's been a useful piece for the Canadians on the wing. Yeah, definitely, I mean, and I think he he you've you're seeing him get a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's not only obviously jumping up 
a big step from the AHL to the NHL, but also at the same time he's learning a new position. Yeah. I mean, he he has played parts of the season uh, in Laval on left wing as well, but uh, I mean, definitely I'm sh- you know I'm sure he didn't have much experience before the season playing left wing. He probably played center. I would imagine played center all his life. So I mean. You know he's he's looked good. He seems to be getting more comfortable, and you'd like to see him get a chance with some more skilled lineup or line mates like Kotkin, Yami, and Suzuki. Exactly right. I mean, we, we've talked about uh, a paling a ton uh, in the past, and we never. I mean, last year obviously the big story is that he got that. It was a f- three goals, four points, or was it four goals with the shootout that he got? Yeah, it was three goals with uh, with the shootout, the, with the shootout on, winner on top of it. I mean. That was obviously a, 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 like a fluke for him to get that in his first game. He's not going to be a goal scorer. Like he may, maybe he he's he's like a really serviceable two way forward, but he's not going to be a, a guy scoring hat tricks regularly uh, in in the NHL. So I mean, just to see him get some offense uh, out of his game would would be nice to see. But he's not going to create by himself. He's, he needs help. He's not going. He's not like Suzuki who's going to make. A guy like Thompson looked good, and maybe maybe produce a little bit there. He needs to play like someone like Suzuki, or or someone maybe even someone like Domi. I mean, Domi's still not winning most of his faceoff. So at what point mm-hmm. do we have to stop with the center with Domi, right? Because yeah. that's that's becoming an issue. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Paling is definitely not the most talented guy. You know, he's heck is a heck of a two line or a two way player. Um, you know, he, he obviously does have some offensive upside. We've seen that in the past, obviously, with his hat trick and, and last year's World Junior Championship. Uh, but definitely he doesn't have the same high-end skill like a Kakinami or a Suzuki. You know, he's he's going to have to have talent around him in order to produce. So, you know, I don't think it's going to – he's obviously not going to do it, I don't think, on the fourth line. But I think if he were to move up to the third line with Kakinami and uh, – you know, maybe another a, a good winger. Um, you know, I think that could we could well, get some scoring. Let, let's there. say you make it cut Kinyemi, uh Paling, and Suzuki, which I would also love to see. I mean, once Drouin comes back, that mu- that becomes much more realistic because yeah. then you can put Drouin with Domi. But until he comes back, then you got Lekkonen, who's who's been solid. Lekkonen, Lekkonen's having a really strong year. Uh, I mean, I think he is what he is offensively. He might he just won't be as productive as we maybe hoped w- mm-hmm. with his rookie season. Yeah. But he's so reliable without the puck defensively and all that. So I'm not. Lekkonen is a very valuable player to the Canadians. So then, who's the other guy there? The wheel, I guess. I mean, is that line is Domi Wheel and Lekkonen doing a lot? Like once Dwayne comes back, maybe it makes more sense to, to yeah. get the kids together. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And then, I mean, basically, you could have a second line. Obviously, when Armia comes back too, you know, potentially on a set, you have a second line of Domi, Drouet, and Armia, which I think is pretty solid. All three of them can put the yeah. puck in the back of the net. And then, yeah, I mean, a third line of Paling, Suzuki, and Kutkinami. I think that's that's looking pretty good right there. Absolutely. And then you're if you get a fourth line with with the uh, wheel, uh, like well, well now Lekkonen's falling all the way to the fourth. Yeah. Line, so then right? you'd have like Thompson. Along, well, either Wheel or Cousins, along with Lekkonen. Yeah, but, but, but realistically, like the, the odds of the the, the, the roster being healthy yeah. uh, are slim. But if the roster is healthy, I'm sorry, Ryan Paling, but you're going on the fourth line. I think I, w- I would let Lekkonen play with the, with the kids then, because that could be a really good line. Yeah, because you you get Suzuki and Kakiyami together, 
potentially producing a lot of offense. Suzuki's been very reliable defensively, and Lekkonen is like one of the, our more reliable wingers outside of our top shutdown line of uh, Gallagher, Tatar, and uh, and Daniel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with as long as Claude Julien is the coach, I don't think you're going to see the three kids together, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I think Lekkonen probably does make a lot of sense. He's super responsibly defensively, obviously. Um, so that would help. You know, if, I think he would be a good partner to have with two young guys like Suzuki yeah, but- and Kakanyemi. Until the team's not healthy, I mean, why not try it out? I get what you're saying, though. Claude Jean probably won't. Yeah, I mean, I think like most Habs fans, I'd love to see it. Yeah. Probably not going to see it. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, but uh, all right, let's move move on to more good news for the Canadians uh, after some poor news uh, with the last two games. Shea Weber, unsurprisingly, named to the All-Star game. I was looking at at the stats, and I think outside of Patrick Kane, he was the the player who, because it's a seventh All-Star appearance. Uh, so uh, Patrick Kane was his ninth. So of all the players going to the All Star game, one of the most appearances. I mean, it has something to do with also the teams he's played for and all that. But still, he's having a fantastic season this year, uh, Weber. After starting off slow too, and now he's been just offensively been one of his best seasons uh, at the age. Of, how old is he? Thirty three. Uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, Thirty four. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a great season. Like you said, he got off to a pretty slow start. Looking like he lost a step at the beginning of the season, but Definitely. I mean, you know, since maybe beginning of November, he's been one of the best defensemen in the NHL. I mean, maybe the best player on the Canadians, along with Gallagher. I think. I think I think Shea Weber is. Yeah, with, with it's it's hard to the thing is is because that top line is such a, a unit. Like all three of them have been so crucial to the Canadians. It's hard to look at them in as individuals. To yeah. see like who is the most important because an argument can be said for Dano. Also, Tatar is a top scorer on the team. Uh, obviously, love love Gallagher too. But Shea Weber will probably be the most important player to the Canadians this year so far. I mean, but who would have thought though that all he needed to find his game was Ben Sherratt? <laughs> ben Sherratt, yeah, definitely. Who would have thought? I mean, uh, I remember. I think it was the the first time that they had tried it in practice. Basically, it was before the Boston game, and yeah. we thought they were going to get. Absolutely lit up, but obviously that wasn't the case. Yeah. And I mean, they they, I mean, they really haven't had, uh, you know, ha- haven't had a step back since. They've looked great together. The, the the problem though is you have them together. They've looked good. I mean, it, it's not perfect. Like I said against uh, uh, earlier against Florida, two of the goals deflect. One deflected on, on on Shea Weber, and the other one deflected on 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 Ben Sherratt. But they've looked good overall. But after that, I mean, Kulak has been struggling, but he's playing next to Petrie. And Petrie, as great as he's been offensively, you, you do see some flashes of him struggling a little bit defensively at times. And it doesn't help when you're playing with uh, with, Kulak. with Kulak. that's for sure. I mean, now that Mete is back, maybe you'd like to see them back to there. But I like seeing Mete with Flurry as a third pairing. The, the real, there the still is such a big hole. If you add a player that can play defense next to Petrie and play 20, 25 minutes a game, it changes the whole makeup of this team. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, Kulak. I mean, he had a great season last season. We were excited. Uh, at least I was excited to see what he could do this season. You know, in his second second season with the Habs. But obviously, it's not working out. Especially over the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty bad. Um, I mean, I think uh, you know, obviously, it's you know, it's not going to be a game changer. But you could probably find a solution, or at least a, a short term solution, in Laval. I mean, Otto Liskinen. He's played two or three games already for the Canadians. I thought he's looked pretty good. And Xavier Wallet is finally healthy now too. I think he could, he would definitely be a step up from uh, from Kulak in my I, opinion. I think so. Too. Even last year when they sent Xavier Wallet down, I was a little surprised. I mean, I feel like if I was him, I would be a little frustrated right mm-hmm. now. The by far the weakest. You're on maybe the team in the NHL, 
who is the weakest at your position. You would think so. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I don't know every team's core on left on the left side, but Kane's got to be up there. Gotta they they got to be one of the best teams at being bad on left D. You got to think Xavier Dewellet is good enough to at least get a shot there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously he was injured for he was out for for a good while, at least a month, if I'm not mistaken. He's finally healthy. He's played a couple of games. He's looked pretty decent for Laval uh, the last couple of games. So I mean, it, I think you know maybe it's time to give him a call. Um, but I mean, definitely the solution doesn't appear to be Kulak, and we all know that it's not Mike Riley. Oh. Mike, who cares about Mike Riley? Like, I see he, he he's just there to sit in the press box at, at this point. It's frustrating every time he he does get some playing time. I don't know why. Like, even if I'm Zebby, I'm even more pissed when I see Mike Riley on the ice. But I mean, the solution though, I really do think though we're not going to see a move from uh, from Bergeron on the left side because. The way that he talked about being confident in Romanov coming, like he might, if he makes a move, it's going to be just a short-term rental for this year. Maybe improve the depth, mm-hmm. maybe move a pick or something, but not a high pick, just to get someone to help on the left side for the rest of the year. But I really do think moving forward into next year, he sees his lefty, especially the way Ben Sherat has developed as the season has gone along, as Sherat, Romanov, and Victor Mete. Yeah, and if Romanov is as good as he might be. That might not be that bad of a left side. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, you, you know, I think Habs fans get really excited about Romanov, and obviously, I'm, I'm super excited about him as well. I don't think he's going to step in next season and start playing 25 minutes a game. I mean, he's probably going to be on the third pairing. He's going to probably be very similar to what Fleury's doing this season. Going to play limited minutes, maybe a little bit of time on the PK or power play. We'll see. Um, and yeah, you know, we'll see as the season goes. But I mean, you definitely can't expect him but to. But how jump long in. do you think it takes him to surpass Victor Mete on the depth chart? Uh, it's gonna be tough. I mean, obviously they play two very different types of games. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen in the first season. Maybe at times he will jump up onto the second pairing, but I don't think for a for a sustained amount of time. Because I mean, I know it's just the World Junior Championship, but you you see these players every year stepping in and coming in in a bigger role than you expect them to. And just the way that he he's dominating. Uh, you watch the game, the the, the the Russia game, where he scored the goal, where they, they still lost. Was it against the Americans, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, and mm-hmm. Russia was just getting dominated. And then Romanov gets a great goal, gets them and within two goals. And just the way he reacted, the way he, he just looked like he was the leader for that team. He was... He showed incredible passion, and then he was getting to the bench, and he was hyping up his team. And, and as as players were coming back, shifts like they kept showing him on the bench because even the next shift and everything after that, he'd be hyping up his players with a good job. He looked like the leader of that team. I loved what I saw from him in that game there, and he just looks like somebody's going to step in. And I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a number one left defenseman year one, but he's going to be he's going to be making a difference. The, the Montreal Canadiens will be better on the left side with Romanov there than not there. Now, hopefully, he does. Yeah, come hopefully. to because that's even not a guarantee. No, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, yes, Bergevin went over to Russia. He had a, apparently a good meeting with him, but I mean, you definitely know that CSKA is going to be doing everything they can oh, to everything. keep him. I mean, obviously, Romanov, from what we've heard from him, I mean, it's it appears to be. Or he, you know, he he definitely seems very interested in coming over. We'll see if it actually if he actually does. Um, I mean, obviously he's coming over to play in the NHL. He's not going to be playing with the Rocket next year. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. The, mean, the, the the main problem is though is that because the reality of the entry level contract 
is that the first few, the few years of the entry level contract, he's making less money here. Yeah, than what he would make in the KHL. But once he gets past those entry-level years, assuming he's as good as his potential looks like, he will make better money in the NHL. Not yeah. just that. I mean, the quality of life from from everything we've heard from players that have played in the KHL is, is much nicer in the NHL than it is there. But he's just got to kind of... Because sometimes when you're young, you know, you just like, well, I want the money now. But if we can get him over, I think I really think he can be a game changer for the Canadians. Yeah, well, I definitely think he can play a good role, uh, a big role. Um, definitely a step up from the guys they have right now. Well, at least a step up from Kulak and uh, and um, uh, Riley. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, probably as good as Mete. It definitely has a much higher ceiling than Mete. But um, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll definitely be an improvement. Excited to see him come over if he does come over. And let's not forget, like we've talked about before, he's playing in the KHL right now, right? He's not. It's not like. Norlander, for example, who's having a great season in the second league in uh, yeah, in, Sweden. in Sweden, and then he's he's playing okay for for Sweden. Uh, he's getting more minutes every game. He played, I think, about fifteen minutes today against Kazakhstan. But it's not the same thing. I mean, Romanov is already playing in what might be the second best league in the world. Mm-hmm. He's playing against men. He's playing against players that have played in the NHL for a long time, elite scorers. There's some really good Russian scorers that are still in the KHL that don't want to make the move to the to North America. That He's not going to be that out of place when he steps into the NHL. Of course, it's a step up. Yeah, it's a step up. But yeah, like you, yeah. I mean, definitely he's playing in, you know, maybe along with the AHL, the second best league in the world. Um, I mean, it's going to be a bit of an adjustment too, obviously adjusting to the North American game, but... Yeah, I definitely think, you know, he, he's very close. Definitely could make an impact for the Canadians next year. He's not going to, at least not on the fir- in the first season, going to be the savior that some Habs fans t- think that he's going to be. But Not um, just Habs fans. I think Bergeron thinks he's the savior. <laughs> well, I, I think he probably has... Uh, I mean, he's not going to be the savior next season. But look at the he depth chart. He has realistic chart. expectations, but, but, I'm expecting. But, I mean, like, look at the depth chart. Do you think he's planning on moving Sherratt or Mete? Because he's planning on putting Romanov in, right? Yeah, so he, really definitely. So he he's not planning. I don't think on improving the left D outside of that's going to be the that his 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 depth chart in his office right now for next season on the left side. It's Romanov, Mete, and Sherratt. Yeah, I mean that, that probably makes right. sense. Um, yeah, I mean, and and that that probably means that he's not going to go out and get any big pieces on the left side. Um, you know, it, well, especially if he if he feels that way, if he thinks Romanov's really going to be uh, uh, be able to step into the top four, rel- you know, as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it you know maybe it's a trade deadline depending on where the Habs are. Maybe they try to get a rental at that point. But um, but yeah, you're probably right. I don't think they're they're planning on any big moves on the left side until Romanov gets here, assuming that he gets here. Yeah, that that's the big thing, right? Because if, if he de- if he de- ends up not coming here, then I I don't like I don't know what Plan B is, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be pretty. The, 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 it's gonna be rough for the Canadians if Romanov doesn't doesn't come. I mean, it, it's it's I don't I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, but it's been now it's the third season of the left side on D being a problem, and Bergevin's tried to fix it. He's failed. I mean, he 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 got lucky this offseason too, because by all accounts, his first choice was Jake Gardner, and I was pro Jake Gardner. Yeah, it looks like I was wrong. Because wow, his because uh, his uh, his his injuries obviously are are are, are more serious than uh, uh, 
Uh, well, not more serious, but as serious as these seem. I just, I just thought it was like I yeah, give it a shot. Eh, who knows? But, but, but Ben Schrott has more been better than what I expected. Is what it is, honestly. Oh, definitely. I think he's been better than most people have expected. He's definitely turned into a really good defenseman. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're doing pretty good. Alex Edler. Uh, by the way, we're talking about you wanted Gardner, I wanted Edler. Edler's not having a bad season. Okay. I never <laughs> said I didn't want Alex Edler. What I said is Alex Edler is never going to sign in Montreal. I'm sure we could have convinced him. You but anyway. You, okay, I'm sure that's Anyway, we got Ben Sherratt. If ben only you good. were the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, you could have convinced Alex Edler. I would have. To, to uproot his family and come to Montreal. <laughs> I'm sure that's what would have happened. Well, since we're already on the World Junior topic, let's move on to one of the players most people were probably most excited to see. Because we saw Romanov last year mm-hmm. uh, with Team USA, Cole Caulfield, who... Um, Watching because I've watched most of the Team USA's games, and oh my god, is it frustrating! It feels like I'm watching the Canadians, and I want to see Kutkinemi play, and he's not playing. Doesn't have good line mates, but except it's not Claude Julien who's the coach; it's whoever what his name is, and on the US team, I forget right now. And Cole Caulfield, for some reason, not playing with his teammates yeah. from from uh, his team in college, where he's like breaking records and scoring goals and doing great, and yep. it's just it's so frustrating. It is. I mean, you know, you'd expect, expect to see a goal scorer like Cole Caulfield be on, you know, the top two lines. Like on you said. On the power play, maybe. Well, yeah, especially on the power play. Yeah. You know, on the, he's been lethal from the left side, um, you know, to, throughout the college season with Wisconsin. I mean, uh, and like you said, he's not playing with his teammate, Alex Turcotte, who, I mean, you would just think that that would make yeah. sense. A tournament where... Obviously, the, these guys have very limited time playing together. Exactly. Why would you not play two teammates that have had a great deal of success together in in college, uh, and you split them up? Weird and, thing happened know. today, though, because the game went to overtime, yeah. and then it took about halfway through the overtime. I was I was looking for coffee, looking for coffee, still on the finally coffee on the ice. Oh, look who else is on the ice with him? His line mate from college, Surkut. <laughs> And look at them making beautiful plays together, and Cole Caulfield scores a beautiful goal. I mean, it, it didn't. I mean, sure, it's three on three. It's it, the the ice is open and all that, but what, you could see right away there was chemistry there that you weren't seeing among other players on either team because, like you said, mm-hmm. these are kids that don't. Most of them don't get to play together a lot. Have never. May, most of them maybe never played together. These two have chemistry already just play them together and put them in situations where they can score that's what they do yeah i mean mean, and like he you know he wasn't playing with the you know the most offensive players either playing with john beecher playing with jack drury guys that aren't i mean they're obviously talented they're playing for the kid for the americans but i mean they're not they don't have the top end talent that uh, that cole caulfield plays he's played limited minutes as well he's played you know, roughly 12, 13 minutes yeah. a game. And like we said, barely any power play. Today, one of, well, while I was watching the game, one of the most frustrating moments, he made a great play, cut in front of the net, didn't get a shot off, but got the checks to take a penalty on him. Didn't see the ice during that power play. I mean, at least reward him there. Yeah. It's not like it's... It's not like he. There's. We're just asking for something ridiculous here. Like, he's the most obvious person to put on the power before the tournament st- started. There was an article. I think. I think it was on NBC, and they had like four analysts saying their predictions, and all four had Cole Caulfield as a top four of the tournament. Yeah. But his coach disagrees. Apparently. Yeah, I. I don't know what's what's going on there, but I mean, hopefully this is going to open the coach's eyes yeah. a little bit. To, to play him a little bit more. Um, I mean, they got their last game coming up in the round robin. 
I can't remember who it's against. But hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll get more of a chance coming up and, and obviously heading into the playoffs. I mean, he's been, you know, even in the U18s, he showed that he can step up in the big moments. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets more of a chance here, and uh, you know, I think he'll he'll definitely be able to uh, to to finish strong. Hopefully, I think US has played all their games. Oh, actually, actually yeah, I yeah, think they might. Have. Yeah, US yeah. played all their games. So, uh, so I mean, so, so going yeah, going into going forward. Yeah, obviously going into the uh, into the knockout phase now. Hopefully, I mean, I mean, you'd think we were USA fans. I mean, well, obviously we'd rather Canada win, but. If I'm being honest, I'd rather Habs prospects do well than anything else. <laughs> I mean, it was great to see Romanov uh, get the player of the game after scoring the goal. Cole Caulfield got the player of the game for the U.S. today. I mean, he scored the OT goal. I mean, they're always going to do that. But, uh, I mean, the USA has been – I've watched – I actually watch more USA games than Canada games because they also have Jordan Harris yeah. who – I mean, you don't. You, he doesn't stand out that much, but he looks solid. Doesn't stand out in a bad way either. Scored a goal, which was great. So he's looked good overall. Pretty happy with the, the way he's played. Yeah, he's looked really good. I mean, uh, definitely liked. You know, it's the first time he's played with the Americans at any uh, any age group. So I mean, he, I think he's done a really good job so far. Obviously, he's showed amazing progression since he was drafted in 2018 in the third round. Um, and I definitely like what I'm seeing him from him so far. I'm moving the puck really well, playing on the right side all the time too. So obviously on his offhand, so that's going to go a long way as well. Being able to play, you know, being comfortable on the left side on the right side. But uh, I mean, if he can continue this progression, he's going to be a really, really solid player. Well, he's already further ahead than we expected him going into the season, right? Like at the beginning of the season, would you predicted him making the? Well, he had a really USA good. Uh, well, he was sort of he was one of the guys in the discussion. Uh, I mean, he definitely he had a great year last year in his first season at North uh, Northeastern. So not a huge surprise necessarily that he made the team. Um, well, I guess a bit of a surprise. I mean, he was definitely in the conversation. Did I think he was going to make the team? Maybe not, and yeah. definitely not playing as much as he's playing. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, he's exactly. playing like 17, 18 minutes a game usually. So he's definitely been a pleasant surprise, and uh, and hopefully he can continue it. And you know, maybe we'll see him in Laval. Maybe not at the end of this year, but probably the end of next year. And hopefully we see USA make it to the final, lose to Canada four three, three goals by Cole Caulfield, three assists by Jordan Harris. Yeah, sounds good. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> no, I mean I don't I mean, think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> and uh, I mean we touched on it a little bit too. The uh, the other prospect for the Canadians at the World Junior is uh, uh, Norlander. Uh, I haven't watched as many Sweden games. Uh, I mean that that group in general outside of Sweden versus Finland is kind of less uh, less interesting. But uh, from all accounts, he's been getting more and more minutes playing for Sweden, so that's a good sign, obviously. His coach is trusting him more and more. He's someone that he's there because of the season he's having, right? Like he, he wasn't yeah, definitely. Uh, well, to him, him too, he was sort of on the, in like the conversation. French. But, I mean, there's so many good Swedish defensemen. I mean, and, and just even in front of him right now, which is why he's not necessarily getting a whole lot of minutes. I mean, his minutes have been getting more and more as the uh, as the tournament goes. I mean, he, he has looked really good in his own zone. Um, haven't seen too much offense, uh, offense from him so far, but um, I mean, like what I'm seeing for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully he can keep it up for the rest of the tournament, maybe score a goal or two. And then, uh, you know, he'll go back to Moto, finish the season there. And uh, he just re-signed with Moto, I think, last week. Um, if they move up to the uh, to the top division of the uh, in Sweden, and if they don't move up, then he's allowed to uh, to basically sign with any top-tier uh, top tier team in Sweden. So it uh, looks like he's going to be in Sweden at least for one more year, and he should be playing in the top division next year. And you, you would assume, again, playing for the the... the, the 
the junior team at the World Juniors next year again. No, no, he he'll be too old next. Year. Oh, he's already too yeah. old. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, so he won't be eligible next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, for the rest of this season and then next year in the. Uh, Wait, was he a draft from two years ago? I thought we drafted him this year. Draft him this year, but he was an overage. Oh, he was an overage. Yeah. Oh, okay, late bloomer. Oh, a late bloomer. Kind of a little bit like me. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> not sure about that one. All right, uh, all right. So then, that's the. Uh, uh, before we move to the the rocket, we didn't touch too much on the upcoming games for the Canadians. Let's get back to the Canadians uh, uh, a little bit quickly here. Uh, so they're finishing up the road trip. I said eight games early. It was a seven game road trip, but uh, the last game of the road trip is tomorrow uh, at Carolina. Another extremely important game. I mean, last year uh, Carolina was the team we were fighting for till the end of the year for the playoffs. They hold the last wild card spot. Canadians just lost a game against the two other teams are fighting for the playoffs, basically in Florida and Tampa Bay. Can't afford to lose it. This this has got to be a W here, or else it's it doesn't take too much. You keep creeping down the standings, and it's gonna be harder and harder to make it back up. And Columbus is catching up. Buffalo is catching up. This is a big game against uh, Carolina tomorrow in Carolina, then back home against Tampa Bay again, against Pittsburgh, against Winnipeg. It's not an easy schedule coming up this week. No, definitely. It's going to be a tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough couple of games coming up here. Um, I mean, obviously Carolina, like you said, they're holding the last uh, wild card spot. I mean, even though the Canadians are closer to uh, to the second and third spot in their own division. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But um, I mean, Toronto though, since the coaching change, I think Toronto is going to finish second in that division. It's going to be yeah. It's, it's going to, gonna, to catch up yeah. There. I mean, same thing with the Lightning. I think uh, you know they they're finally starting to put it together. I think yeah. they're going to be tough to catch too. Um, so yeah, obviously this is going to be a big game, especially with the tough games coming up at home. So it's 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 going to be tough, though. You know, Carolina is going to be going to be gunning for the Habs. Of course, they're not going to want to lose, especially at home. But uh, yeah, it should be a good game. And then uh, finally, they're back home after a seven-game road trip. It'll uh, be glad to. I'm sure they're going to be happy to be home. I mean, I mean, at the same time, it's we keep saying a seven-game road trip, but there was the Christmas, yeah, kind of yeah, four of days off in uh, in between there. But it's it's always good to have them back home with three-game homestand. But Tampa Bay. You hope they they're gonna want a bit to avenge that that unfortunate loss. I mean, it's all gonna depend how what Carey Price we get, right? Because because Carey Price has had some bad stretches earlier in December, had some amazing stretches. So I mean, we'll see how it goes at Pittsburgh. For some reason, I mean, I keep thinking Pittsburgh's gonna fall off. I mean, even even with Crosby out, they're looking pretty solid this year. They got 50 points. Uh, look pretty much set for the play. I mean, looking at the playoff standings here. It, it, if Tampa Bay, because Toronto, I don't. Toronto since the coaching change is looking great, eight one and one in the last ten. Tampa Bay finding their stride. So, so if if we're thinking that the top three in the Atlantic is going to be Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Philadelphia and Carolina have uh, six and seven point lead on the Canadians. It's really not looking good for the playoffs no, at this point. It's definitely going to be tough. Um, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, they, they haven't, I mean, three and three, obviously, in the road trip here, you know, that's pretty much what I think, you know, most Habs were hoping for, if they could have stayed 500, uh, and obviously, we'll see with the game tomorrow. I mean, if, but, if what we were hoping for, what yeah. we talked about before, it was the only way the Canadians could hope for the playoffs is if they have a crazy road trip where they, they, they only lose, like, two games, and that was in play after the yeah, first yeah, it was. bit, but these last two games were the most important ones. The way they should have beat Tampa Bay, the way they started the game, mm-hmm. if they if they beat Tampa Bay, then lost against Florida, maybe be a different conversation. But just 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 the reality of what we saw with the team over the weekend, I said it before the road trip. I'll say it again. I just, I really don't think this is a team that's gonna make the playoffs. I think by the time we get to the trade deadline, we're not gonna be tr- talking about adding to the left side of the defense. We're gonna be talking about who we can move and what assets we can get for them when we move them. Uh, this this is not a playoff season for the Canadians. 
No, it's not looking too good. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're a couple of points back in, in their division, like you said. I mean, the Lightning and, uh, and Maple Leafs look like they're probably going to eventually get to second and third spots in the Atlantic. And, you know, they're quite a few points back right now, six points back of, uh, of the Hurricanes um, to get the last, uh, the last wild card spot. Yep, six points back. So it's, I mean, it's going to be tough for sure. They're going to have to have a good stretch here. They have a couple of home games coming up here. So, uh, I mean, you know, obviously against really good teams, but uh, they'll have to uh, have to put have to get it back together here after two tough, disappointing losses. Yeah, not seeing it happen. I just, no, probably I don't not. Know. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just not seeing it happen. I mean, it's still it's it's not a lost season though. I mean, you got the progress of uh, of Suzuki, who's who's been absolutely amazing. Uh, what I can hope for for the rest of the season, uh, I mean, like I said, I don't think they're you never know. I'm mean, hey, I'd be happy to eat my words and be wrong, and to, for for them to go on a run here. But I mean, we've talked about Kudkiniemi a lot this year. I thought he was going to have a strong year this year. It's obviously been very disappointed with the injuries and everything. I, I really want hope he stays healthy, and I would like for him to kind of salvage this second part of the season because that's the future: Suzuki, Paling, Kudkiniemi. And then we talked about what's what's coming up with Romanov and all that. That's the future for the Montreal Canadiens. We need Kachinami to take a, take a step here. Just Not even just for the Canadiens as a team to win this year, but I just want to see that progress so he can develop into that first-line center that we're hoping he can become. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, maybe maybe give some of the guys in Laval a shot too, you know, depending on what happens, at the especially at the trade deadline, if they do move out a couple of the older veterans yeah. that are maybe on the last year of a contract you know some some guys have been uh, have been playing a little bit better as of late in Laval guys like Jake Evans Josh Brook even has looked a little bit better Otto Liskin I think deserves a call up you know maybe you see Caden Primo get a get a couple more games near the end of the season do you think we see Josh Brook though this year though or do you think he's gonna uh, probably of, not yeah. probably not uh you know I think they're probably going to follow the same sort of uh, development that they had with Kale Fleury last year, who got better better as the season went on. Um, you know, play by the end of the season was playing top minutes. Uh, I mean, I'm not seeing Josh Brook play as good as Kale Fleury was last season, but we'll see how he finishes the year. And then, you know, hopefully he can uh, finish the year strong, and maybe maybe next year in camp, maybe he can win a spot. And though, so then speaking of the Rocket players doing better, how is the Rocket doing as a whole? I haven't been following it too much, honestly. Uh, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, well, need, I need you to update me on it. You know, I'm the fans here and not paying attention to the Rocket. Uh, well, the Rocket, I mean, right now, uh, so they played two games over the weekend against Toronto. Obviously, a very good team, Toronto. Uh, they lost. The first game on Saturday, Keith Kincaid had a tough game. He was actually getting booed by a lot of the fans. I know, I heard about that. That's um, yeah. and not, not not even just that; they were mocking him, and he was making saves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. give him the old uh, the the what the hell is it called? The Brooklyn cheer or whatever. When you okay, yeah. Uh, well, he gave up three goals in less than a minute in the second period, so that was uh, that was about a wrap for the uh, for the Rocket there. It did score a wrap for Keith Kincaid. Eh? Yeah, I think so. Not looking good. Uh, and actually, he didn't even finish the game. Uh, Primo fin- uh, played the third period. They ended up losing 3-2, so they did almost come back. And then in the second game, had an amazing game again against Toronto. They beat them 6-1. to uh, Jake Evans, one goal, two assists, three points, plus three. So uh, he's, he's playing really well out of the last couple of games. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a call up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the Rocket right now, they're sitting three points out of the last playoff spot. Belleville holds that spot. Bell- they're actually playing Belleville tomorrow in Belleville. Um, so that'll be a huge game for the Rocket. 
Uh, Belleville does have two games in hand, however. But uh, who has a better chance of making the playoffs, the Rocket or the Canadians? It's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say the Rocket. They, they, probably they probably have both better chances of not making the playoffs. Yeah, at this point. yeah. yeah. they're probably both under fifty percent. But yeah. uh, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we haven't even played half the season yet. So I mean, there's a lot of time to go. Both of them aren't in the best position right now, the position that they that they wish they could be in. But um, we'll see moving forward. And with, with, with the AHL, it's always so like, teams can fall off. Yeah, you and, never know with, with call ups and, and injuries. Exactly, and, exactly. I, I, have the Marlies fallen off a little bit with uh, by losing their coach, or is that? Uh, they have slowed down a little bit actually. Um, but uh, I mean, they're still sitting pretty. They're in the second spot in the division. So, um, so we did actually have a Twitter question here. Um, so we it comes from the Hab Statistician podcast. Uh, so his guest today on the pod compared Ben Sherratt to Jeff Petrie. Do you think he'll progress much the same way? I mean, I, I get maybe the comparison in the sense that like he may be doing better than we expected at the beginning and all that. Maybe you could say a poor man's Jeff Petrie. J- Sherratt's never going to have the same offensive upside uh, as Petrie. They're, they're two kind of different defensemen yeah. uh, in, in that sense. Like if, if – uh, like the way Petrie took over when Shea Weber was out, I don't think Ben Chirot can ever do that. No. Ben Chirot is a good complementary, like a good partner to, to Shea Weber. But to get to the point of being as good as Petrie, I mean, Petrie's been fantastic for the Canadians. I, I don't think we, we ever see Ben Chirot get that good. No. No, I don't think so. I mean, definitely, you know, Ben Chirot, I think, has been a lot better than, than pretty much anyone's expected, yeah. quite frankly. I'm sure he's been better than Mark Bergeman expected. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, came, come along, comes a long way from, you know, uh, comparing him to Alsner when he, when he first signed. <laughs> so he's definitely been a pleasant surprise for the Canadians. Has, you know, and he's been playing solid for, for what, the last, like, month, month and a half? Yeah, even well, two since months he's been with Weber, point. right? Like, it's, clearly they, they found chemistry quickly together, which is great. Yeah, so he got off to a slow start doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon so i definitely think you know he's he he looks like a great signing especially at 3.5 million if i'm not mistaken uh for the next three years or well for this year and the next two years afterwards so he's looking really good um i like you said he's he's not really this exactly the same type of defenseman as jeff petrie is i think he can be really solid but he's not necessarily a guy that is going to be your top defenseman like jeff petrie showed that he could be last season exactly but, um, but he means Definitely a very serviceable. Like, serviceable look at Petrie this month in December. He's got ten points in thirteen games. Sherrod's not going to ever produce at, at, at that clip, you know. No, no, exactly. Like Petrie had uh, forty some points last season. I don't think you're you're probably not going to see that from Sherrod, at least not on a regular basis. But definitely, he does his job very well. He's doing it very well, especially sitting uh, or you know uh, playing beside Shea Weber, uh, and hopefully he can keep it up. All right, so uh, so we'll see what happens then with uh, with the Canadians, and we'll look forward to see what happens more with the World Junior more than anything. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm hoping. I mean, part of me, a very small part of me, kind of wants to see Russia, U.S., so I can see Romanov and uh, Cole Caulfield. But come on, I'm still rooting for Canada. But I'd love to see Cole Caulfield kind of find his game uh, there uh, offensively after scoring overtime, and we'll see what happens with the Canadians. But I think uh, sooner rather than later, when we talk more about what they're going to trade away at the deadline. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, I think next this coming week, the couple of games this week are going, you know, are, are going to be really important. Obviously, playing against Tampa, playing against Pittsburgh is going to be a tough game. Playing against Carolina, so you know, hopefully, we're going to be a little bit more optimistic uh, when we do the podcast next week. But uh, we'll see. 
All right, so thanks for listening. Follow us at the Habs Forum on Twitter. Feel free to send us questions if you have them. We'll be happy to answer them. And always review us on the app forum if you're going to give us five stars. If not, don't bother. It doesn't matter. It's fine. All right. Thanks for listening. On the app forum? Did I say that? Oh, Habs Forum. App Store. On the app. Oh, God. I sound like I'm 75. I'm about about to turn 33 tomorrow. So my age is shot. On the App Store. Review us on the app store.